Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all the decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. This is Marty Oakley, the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the DS Radio Network. Good evening, everyone, and welcome, and thank you for spending your Friday night with us. My eyes tear up every time I hear Marty's voice. I always think about my Friday nights. For the last over four years, I was going to spend Friday night with Marty, and we always had so much fun. We'd chat before the show, and we'd chat after the show. I really miss her a ton. Tonight we have Reverend Ralph. Say hello, Reverend Ralph. Good evening, everyone. And we also have Marcia Southwick of NASGA, which stands for the National Association to Stop Guardianship Abuse. And we just heard the most amazing commercial. It was the NASGA commercial. Do you remember when that commercial came out, Marcia? I wrote it. That's right. It was um, it was a Wisconsin it was a Wisconsin TV station, and I had my bakery, and they said that they'd run the. She knew that this was really near to my heart, and she said for every commercial that I bought for the bakery, she'd match it with my Nazca commercial. So thank you for writing it. So oh. yeah, with, yeah, that commercial came from Wisconsin, and it didn't cost us anything. And I just really appreciate how that they had done that. I think we've had it for like four or five years now, haven't we? Yeah, I, I really, I, I try to get as much drama in there as possible. <laughs> it's awesome you know, what you wrote. What and it's on to a you? video, too. That it was? is? A video? Yeah, it was actually, yeah, There's. it's on YouTube, and it actually was playing in the Madison market here in Madison, Wisconsin. That was a commercial that played on the airwaves here in Madison. So, yeah. Well, that is great. That That's was, great. That was really, really nice of them to do. Wow. To it was give so to you that, nice. Give to us that way. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. I, I used to go film... I used to go film the restaurant show, and I just got to know everybody, and I had told the story of Harvey. And, you know, back five years ago, it was, you know, more of the battle was, was still going on, and everyone yes. was really horrified by what I had Whoa, to tell yeah. them. So, and, I mean, and they did this, yeah. Yes, that's amazing. That's wonderful, cause You know, it's the little things that really make a difference. When you can get something yeah. like that, even that, just some little action that actually piles up to greater action. And I, I just think that's really something to remember because when people go through this, it's so horrific 
and you the urge is to get something done now, right now. We've got to change it now, and we do. But the problem is it yeah. takes, it, you know what I mean? It's a process, and that's what's hard. Yeah. And I know what's going on in Pennsylvania, and there. I know Reverend Ralph is real familiar with a lot of the laws, and you two are going to be really talking about them. I think both of you probably know more than I know, so I'm going to really let you two take it away on talking about this. But I just know that so many people are frustrated, including myself and Reverend Ralph, that we feel like, and I know so many listeners, that when you hear about all these laws that are changing, it's good for people in the future, but people are not feeling that it's going to make a difference for them right now and their loved ones. That's right. I mean, their lives are in the balance. That's the problem. Yeah. It won't. And if you've been victimized by this, if you've been victimized by this, um, you have to decide whether or not you want to change things for those in the future who are going through it because all, all may be lost for you. Although, if laws get passed that really make things more, uh, you know, harder to do these things, they might be able to prosecute under those terms later, you know, right. fraudulent behavior. Who knows? But the point is, the laws right. are where it starts. Yeah, and I agree. And I know after Harvey passed away, I remember... Um, different people calling me and just saying, you know, cause stay in it, stay in it, because someday someone that doesn't even know your name will live and live free because you stayed in it and you fought. And I've really taken those words to heart, and I've stayed in it. And the rewards that I've gotten for staying in it, to be like one of Marty Oakley's best friends and to have her be one of my best friends, I don't know if people realize, like, how much she meant to me. To cry. I mean, we didn't. We just didn't even. We just didn't talk about guardianship all the time. You know, being a baker, I would send her pictures of my cake, and she was an artist. I'm like, did I do my flowers arranging right? You know, what do you think? Yeah. And yeah. just really, you know, the reward yeah. that I have gotten, and and to get to know you, Marcia and Marcel Reed. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh, the friends well, that I know. made because I stayed in it, and I I want That's that right. to be in, an encouragement. To Ralph, and I want that to be an yes, encouragement Ralph. to everyone yes. who's listening. Like, yes. stay in it. You're yes. going through it, and it's terrible, but you might not see change in your lifetime. And it sucks, and I know I know that it sucks because I got to experience it firsthand, and I still am. But I, I stay in it because I do believe that someday it's going to be different. And for that, I'm excited for Good. For us yeah, to take it too. away, I'm thinking we're gonna have like, um, like let's kick off with the the laws that you want to talk about, and you and Reverend Ralph talk about those Pennsylvania laws, and then um, Reverend Ralph always does his thought for the day, and I think that we'll end up the show with thought for the day because I feel okay. as we're talking about what's going on in Pennsylvania, it's going okay. to showcase the thought for the day better. Do you guys? What do you guys think? Yes. Does that sound like a good plan? I think that's good. Reverend Ralph, does that sound good? That's fine. That's fine. Okay. So do you want Reverend Ralph to talk about the bills that they're talking about that that are out there, Reverend? 
So, Reverend, do you want to take it away and talk about the different bills that are on the table right now here in Pennsylvania? And Marsha is going to be so much more knowledgeable about what's going on, and I'll, I'm just going to listen. I'll jump in if I if I feel like it. So take it away, just, Reverend Ralph. Let us know. Hey, yeah, go I, ahead. I wanted to say one thing. I'm not a lawyer. I don't really have knowledge of the law. Not really. What I have is having read a lot. I know kind of what, and having worked on them, you know, at the at the summit, um, I have a pretty good idea of what words are they, they're using to that don't work, you see? So mm-hmm. uh, the language, the terminology, the loopholes, the th- loopholes that have been closed in some states but not others, and I can go into that later. All right. So let's see, Reverend Ruff, we're talking about Pennsylvania and what are the laws that they are trying to bring to the table in Pennsylvania to make change? And let's see what – let's have Marsha analyze them. Take it away, Reverend Ralph. Okay. Well, right now we have two bills, one in the Senate and one in the House in Pennsylvania pertaining to guardianship reform. Uh, the Senate bill was just uh, voted out of committee, so now the uh, Senate has to uh, vote on it and analyze and so forth. And as people know, that can change a bill dramatically or a little bit or none at all. And, you know, when the Democrats and Republicans go at it with a bill, each side's going to want something their way or, you know, that's what they're going to be fighting about. Uh, the House bill is still in committee, and that has not been voted at a committee. Uh, last year, the uh, same two, basically the same two types of bills died in committee in the House and in the uh, Uh, Senate. So it it gives an indication that every, you know, election, the politicians, whether it's state, local, or federal, they always talk about how much they love the seniors and they want to, you know, do, you know, they want to help the seniors and so forth. Well, we all know that's just BS because, again, seniors are a block of votes that they cannot ignore. So they'll say whatever they have to say just to get that block of votes. Uh, whether it's Democrat or Republican. But, Can I pipe in for a sec? Yes. Just for a sec. I think what real, you know, I've done a lot of going around the states and talking to, going to these big conferences where all the senators are and then going up to them and talking about guardianship and stuff and, and trying to get laws through, uh, like visitation laws, you know, like for a while there, people could just be shut away from their families altogether. And, and we did we created some laws that changed that and they couldn't do it anymore. But now that's been pretty much covered by the model laws. So um, I guess what I was going to say is I think what I experienced was that Republicans, even though I'm a Democrat, Republicans were more likely to listen to rights issues than, than Democrats. Uh, So I found that Republican, uh, but we had some Dems. It's just that the Republicans were all about it. You know, they'd leap in there and say yes. But the thing that happens, I believe, is that it's not so much Republicans versus Democrats or anything like that. It's about the the people who lobby on behalf of the guardianship industry, like lawyers and so forth, putting pressure on them not to pass laws that, that make their lives difficult. That's what I really think happens. And I think people need to um, be aware that I've heard, I won't say who told me, that one of the, that was a surprise to her, 
about who was lobbying against these laws, and it was AARP. I find that to be very interesting. Have you heard the same thing, Marcia? I heard, I heard something, but I don't quite buy it. I, I'm not sure. I don't know the details enough to say that's right, but I heard something. Uh, what was it, Cod? Well, it was it was someone that we know who was trying to get her legislation passed, and that was who was was fighting her. Okay, who was what was C- the legislation? It was CF. It was what? Her, her initials are CF. No, no, no. I mean, um, oh wait. So what do you ARP was against? They, yep, oh, ARP for, went up and fought her and fought her bill. Oh, I think that well, maybe that happened in um, Colorado. I believe we were. I was there. Mm-hmm. I think that was Colorado, right? Or I can't remember where. I know. I could have been Tennessee. I know it was. I know Tennessee. that she she was was it, and she was blindsided. She just could not believe that AARP well, we would both, stand against yeah, we her were, bill. We were blind. We were blindsided, and what happened was uh, there was one senator who could, you know, Randy Kennedy is in that state, Tennessee, and, you know, they just have an attitude about how things should run, and we really got squelched. I don't know how else to put it, although the senator, Rusty, forget his last name, was wonderful, but what happened was it got water, it went through, just like Ralph said, when it goes through committees and especially appropriations committees at the end of the process, right? The last, it goes through the House, it gets changed in the Senate, it goes back to the Judicial Committee, it gets changed and all this stuff, right? And then the last step is the Appropriations Committee who decides how much this would cost to the state. And they often will turn down a bill on those grounds. And, you know, so, so it was a mixture of things in Tennessee. Wasn't just AARP coming out of this church. Well, they now that I'm getting old, they send me all the letters, and I will never ever join such an organization. Never. They don't. They should be fighting this. This is, should be something they should really be well, focused actually, on. I think see, that, that's why I want to know. Uh, that's I don't see. I don't. Whoever told you that? I'm, I mean, I was with Kat, with CF on a lot of these things, so. I don't know. I have to look into it more. And and the other thing is that AARP actually uh, subsidized a grant for monitoring programs in Idaho and New Jersey way back in, I think it was 2005 or so. Don't don't quote me on that. You know, my memory is approximate. But they did. They did support change in guardianship, and they did put out articles about it, and they did – they're really not a bad organization. I don't know what happened there. But that is not the way they I'm, generally are. I'm, they, wow. They're I'm, very supportive. Really? Because I just feel they just yeah. don't do enough. They don't seem to care about the issue. And if you're targeting, you know, AARP, you're targeting the elderly, all they are is basically a political wing, an arm, and people are just giving them money to get discounts. And so that's my opinion on AARP. Well, I wouldn't touch it with yeah. a ten foot pole. Yeah, did you ever hear the, uh, there was a, uh, the head of uh, AARP was, uh, what was it, he, testi- he was asked to testify in Congress, okay, about what 
with uh-huh. the insurer, you know, the, and, the, and the senator said, well, you're just basically a big insurance company, aren't you, selling stuff to old people? And the guy was like, oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, <laughs> you know. So it's yeah. obvious that they're not going to be the organization. The organization is art, you know, uh, disability rights, uh, stuff like that. You know, they'll go, about our, AARP right. goes yeah. to all this stuff. AARP has a, like when at the summit, I believe they had a representative there. But, you know, they're just, their thing is making money off of elders. I hate to say it. Yeah, but they I don't really feel that they represent elders or really get down to the nitty-gritty and fight the fight the policies that actually matter to people who are elderly in this country and I, I wouldn't and what, I wouldn't draw you know, a happening. wide brush on that. I wouldn't draw a wide brush on that because there are AARP uh there are some branches that really fight for elder rights. So really? I guess it's just to pay, yeah. I mean, in uh, New Mexico, they were all about supported decision-making and trying to get that done. And they're they're very, uh, you know, they're just very conscious of disability rights and elder rights. So I don't think that applies well, that, uh, all over nah, the U.S. Nah. I really don't. Well, that's good to hear. I, st- I still won't be joining. I always laugh. I write mean comments under their right? – it shows up in my Facebook page all the time, and I just write mean comments, like, please. And then it will say I'm a top fan. I'm like, that's really funny because I'm just saying, how come you don't care about this issue? It should be a really big issue. It's, you know, the elderly's constitutional rights. But let's get back to these bills. As we got off okay. tangent talking about lobbyists, all right, so, sorry about so that, Ralph, Reverend Ralph. Which, take it away. <laughs> Ralph, Ralph, which, I know 506, but I don't know any other one. Well, I don't know the House bill offhand, but uh, I, I basically I look at the end result uh, because so many things can change, uh, so many additions and subtractions can be made to various bills, so I don't worry about uh, you know following every little step because it's going to be changing, so what's today could be changed by tomorrow. But as I was saying, basically, it is the Republicans and Democrats, and the fact that they can add things only for their own benefit and these uh, add-ons, I forget what they're called, for other bills, but they like to add things onto bills just to get be able to say that they as a senator or they as a representative of a certain area, they did something for their constituents. And this is what bogs down budgets. This is what bogs down and makes uh, other bills more expensive or never get passed because nobody wants everything that everybody has been putting into it. So, yes, you have all these different factions all fighting, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, and that can be broken down to all the different, as uh, Marcia said, the different types of lobbyists. And what's, again, there's just so much fraud going on, and by fraud I'm referring to AARP uh, as one of them. The fact that they put out this image uh, that they care about senior citizens and all. Well, why do we have these problems in this country if AARP has been around for so long and they're, I've never even looked at how much they're worth and how much they make and so forth. But you see their commercials all the time, and it's always this nice, sweet organization that, you know, is thinking about the elder people. Well, again, it's all about the money. Now, uh, I also uh, am critical of the NRA 
because the NRA wants people to think they stand for people owning guns. Well, there's so many things that they have not done, and basically the money that they have wasted by their top executives and all, it, it, again, it's a money-making organization. They do some good, but there is a lot of fraud involved in that, uh, just like a lot of other political organizations that are just right with fraud. Because, again, those people at the top, they want to make money and they pay themselves big bucks, uh, the same way with animal shelters and so forth. So as far as these bills are concerned, I wait for the final product. And from the people I've talked to who are watching these bills in Pennsylvania, basically the bill that as it is now coming out of the Senate uh, is basically ignoring many, many parts that are important. For example, they don't have the enforcement, which is what's most important. It's like having a law that says you can't drive over 55, but if you do, you still don't get a ticket for it or anything. So what's the point of having that law? And there must be enforcement, especially financial and jail time attached to it. Uh, one of the things I'll, I'll be talking about that later on at the end of the program, about what people can do if their guardians, if the guardian of their loved persons have been taken advantage of the uh, loved person. But as far as the bills, uh, again, they lack enforcement. Uh, the people that I have talked to, these politicians have not inserted very specific things that are needed to eliminate those problems or most of those problems that are dealing with or that are part of guardianship corruption. For example, there is still no limit on how many victims of a guardian can have. Uh, as far as training, they talk about general things about, well, the guardian must have training. Well, to my knowledge, there's only one place in the country that does any type of certification, and that business is in Pennsylvania, and they charge, I think it's $300 or so to take their test. It's a 100-question test, multiple choice, and all you have to do is get uh, 70 out of 100 right, and they certify you. And then after that, uh, you only have to pay so much each year just to renew that certification. Well, the problem is 70 out of 100 is nothing. I haven't been able to get a copy of the test, so I don't know what kind of questions they're asking. But, again, they're in business to make money. And it looks good for the person, for the guardian, to say, oh, I'm certified. And, again, a lot of this involves just people assuming uh, things that they shouldn't be assuming uh, when they hear something from a guardian. So, number one, if there was only a lim if there was a limit of number of uh, victims to a guardian, like only two or three, you'd eliminate these people that are in it only for the money. And again, once they start smelling money, greed takes over, and then they just go charging off into getting people as many as, many as they can without being able to take care of these people properly. And I know in my loved person's case, the current guardian uh, says she's got 10 other people besides my loved person, and there's no way she can be taking control or taking uh, uh, care of that, those many people. Uh, she says she only sees my loved person once a month for about 10 or 15 minutes. There is no way you can know what's going on with that person especially if an elderly person, for only 10 or 15 minutes. So we have to take the financial incentive out of it. 
uh, we have to make it so, again, the family comes first and that the person uh, is the one, the victim, as I call them, because basically they are victims in these guardianships. It is the victim that is basically making the decisions. And in Pennsylvania, we do have such a law. Uh, it's statute, uh, let me see, it's, it's Title 20, Statute 5521, and it just, I'll read it to you real fast Thank so you. people, I'm sorry, what? Thanks, that's good, uh, yeah. Okay, uh, it's, like I said, it's Title 20, Section 5521, and it says, Duty of Guardian of the Person. Quote, it shall be the duty of the guardian of the person to assert the rights and best interests of the incapacitated person, expressed wishes and preferences of the incapacitated person shall be respected to the greatest possible extent. When appropriate, the guardian shall assure and participate in the development of, the plan, of a plan of supportive services to meet the person's needs which explains how services will be obtained. The guardian shall okay, also incur... Can I tell okay. you what's wrong with it? Well, it wasn't what's done wrong with that? Huh? Oh, I was uh, going to tell you, just starting off, it's all wrong, just in the first sentence, but go ahead. Thank you. Uh, the last paragraph is, quote, the guardian shall also encourage the incapacitated person to participate to the maximum extent of his abilities in all decisions which affect him, to act on his own behalf whenever he is able to do so, and to develop or regain to the maximum extent possible his capacity to manage his personal affairs. And that's, that's a law in Pennsylvania. But there's no penalties to it if the guardian decides to do whatever they feel like doing. And this is the problem that I've been, uh, seen with dealing with district attorneys and others, the FBI and so forth. They just say it's a civil matter. Well, the people, they don't take into account, the people have spent so much money trying to get the person out of guardianship and to try to get the guardian changed that they don't have the money left to hire a lawyer to sue. In the meantime, right. the guardian... He's using the victim's money to pay for a lawyer that he has hired to defend him. And that brings up another interesting point. The guardians take advantage of the situation because they know they can get away with, after they're appointed, they start hiring all these different people, including lawyers and care managers and so forth, when there's never been a contract signed that says they can do that. And even the lawyer for the family does not seem to think that why can this person hire all these people and then charge the victim, which is depleting their account and any inheritance that the family members may get. The, the lawyer for the family has never seemed to think of that because I know in my loved person's case there's five different lawyers involved and everyone is charging my loved person so what happens is they don't care if they get sued. It's like if you drive fast over the speed limit, but somebody else is paying your traffic ticket. Why would you care? Yeah. So right. you, you have something which it's the model for what these laws should be, the fact that the, the incapacitated person is just not something like a toaster on the shelf, 
but right. happens to have money in their account, that person has rights which have never, never been stated anywhere. And this is okay, the problem, I... that those rights are never been stated in writing as far as what rights the incapacitated person still has. For example, can the incapacitated person be forced for slave, to do slave labor? Can they be beaten up by the guardian? Can they be uh, raped the by the guardian? La- slave labor happened in Tennessee. Virginia sorry, Franklin. What? Oh, there's a story. Virginia yeah, Franklin story. was held as a slave for two years, basically, under threat of being put into an Alzheimer's unit and locked down for the rest of her life. She was 54. Oh, well, my I, God. I missed, the first, I missed the first part of that. What, what were you saying, Marcia? Okay, this 54-year-old friend um, of Elaine's and mine, Elaine helped her get out of this situation. Um, she, uh, she was 54, fell down the stairs, got into a coma, woke up three weeks later in Tennessee, Nashville, and she had been guardianized. All of her stuff had been sold off, her condo, her cat, her belongings, everything. She lost her job, all that stuff, because now... She was under. She was incapacitated, even though she was had woken up from the coma and was fine. So they put her in a group home, and because she's okay, they just she and the the guardian and the homeowner, the group homeowner, decided that that Ginger should take care of everybody else. So there were eight people in this home, and she did all the cooking, cleaning, uh, toilets, uh, dispensing medications, even shopping. Uh, you know, she took care of everyone. Meanwhile, they charged her estate what a little was left, 800 a month for the privilege of having to work for everyone. Wow. Yeah. So here's really, Did the can guard- I talk, or, could I talk yeah. for a minute about the law? Okay. So the problem with all of these things are, and it, I just did a new show uh about laws in New Jersey. Um, and, uh, you know, I was asked to look them over and what do I think, blah, blah, blah. And it's the same bullshit. Sorry, didn't mean to say that. Blip. Bull blip. <laughs> um, they, they, so what it is, is in both of these states, it's, uh, it's set up, the system is set up so that uh, a person walks into court and they're guilty of incapacity before they can before they're proven innocent. And the whole thing is, instead of treating somebody uh, the right way, they decide you're incapacitated, let's make sure that you're saved, and let's prove that you're incapacitated and just put you in jail for the rest of your life. That's pretty much, it pretty much operates almost in my mind the way a criminal court would work where you come in and you, uh, but instead of having to prove that person's uh, guilty, you assume they're guilty from the start. In other words, mm-hmm. you assume that person's going to need a guardianship and is going to need, quote, unquote, your help. Well, what if you change that around so that, because then what happens is you're judged according to how much capacity you have, and that's what puts you in a guardianship. Well, what if that were changed and people walked into the court and instead of being treated like a criminal, you walk into a court and they say, Okay, what uh, issues do you have? Well, I can't pay my bills, 
or some your lawyer or whoever can't pay her bills. She can't. She can dress herself. She can go shopping. Um, she can blah 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 and blah. She has friends. She has this, but she can't do X or Y. She can't put her socks on. You know, in other words, under if you did it the first way, the person would just be put into a guardianship because she, she had incapacities. This way, you look at what the person needs, and then what you do is you say, no guardi- guardianship is forbidden, forbidden any other solutions, period. So when you, it's not about, oh, I, I tried this. So what Pennsylvania does is say, you have to consider alternatives, and you have to explain why they didn't work. No. You don't put a guardianship on there until uh, all, uh, you know, unless there's no alternative. And usually there is. Usually it's somebody having to be moved out of a hospital. They could just do a single order for that rather than putting a guardianship. I mean, there's so many different ways to approach it, right? So that's problem number one. Problem number two is the role of the lawyer. Uh, In this in Pennsylvania, it looks to me, from what you read, Ralph, and what I read, is that when you have a lawyer is working for the person's well-being and you, know, you need to consider their wishes, it also says you have to work in their best interest, which means you, as the non-incapacitated lawyer, you get to decide what's in that person's interest. You know, in other words... They want to go, they want to drive. They want to have a license. They've been driving all their lives. They don't understand. And the guy says, well, it's just not your best interest to have a license. Now, that's the kind of thing that has led to all of this abuse, right? So you have to say no guardianship, period. Well, well Marcia, Fine. Uh, yeah. the, 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 the situation is uh, every state has laws and rules for the conduct of a lawyer. And it basic, every state basically says that the, a lawyer, for whatever cause or whatever, has to work uh, what, for, to do what the client wants, and if, no, unless it's illegal. And if he doesn't want true. to... What? That's not true. That's not true. Well, yes, because it is. A lot in of every states, state, no, that's, no. What the, that's what the laws oh. say. The, rule, the ethics and rules <laughs> for lawyers say that the lawyer is supposed to uh, abide by what the client wants. And if he doesn't like what the client wants, if he's asking the, uh, the lawyer to do something illegal, it's the obligation of the lawyer to quit. Now, the lawyer can quit at any time. So the fact that the lawyer uh, is supposed to... They have to- a dual role. Will you let me explain? Because the laws are changing that a lawyer must represent, must defend the rights of the person they're working for. Right now, that is not what goes on. Because I know, you know, just from New Mexico, uh, a lawyer got up and said, you know, if I did everything my client wanted to do, wanted me to do, I would not be a good attorney working in their best interest. I have to do things that they don't want. So there you go. That conflict, uh, that approach means you're going you're gonna to cheat and lie and and be and be nasty. It's just the way it works. But you the know, client can leave. fire the lawyer. The client can fire the lawyer at any time. If he doesn't like what Not the lawyer is doing for him, he can fire the lawyer. 
that's in real life. You're talking about a case where rights are being placed in another person's hands because you are prevented from exercising your rights. So how, if you're exercising your rights, if you're not able to exercise your rights, uh, rights and a guardian's doing it for you, how can you possibly fire a lawyer because you haven't been able to sign a contract? Well, Marcia, in real life, lawyers wouldn't steal from their clients. In real well, life, uh, the, uh, if he sees the guardians taking abuse or uh, advantage of the client, exactly. he would tell the judge exactly. and have the guardian fired. So and we're that talking is about two the, different things. Yeah. We're talking about no, two different things, reality and what they should be doing. Well, yeah, I'm trying to explain this, you know. What I'm telling you is that right as of now, in many states, well, actually, most you're right. A lot of states have said you a, a lawyer must be appointed, or the person can have a choice, and that lawyer can't work in best. The whole idea is best. When you hear the word best interest, like you do in in the Pennsylvania thing law, that means the lawyer can make decisions for you rather than argue for your rights. Okay, so that's all I'm saying here. That's all I'm saying. They well, need to be Pennsylvania law. It says everybody should have a lawyer. Well, you know what? There's some people who don't need lawyers. Like if you're if you're completely out of it, you you really, you know, and you can't recover. Say or let's say you have a family member taking over, wanting to apply for guardianship. Why would you need a lawyer for the other side? So what they, what's going to happen is. Um, it's going to get to the Appropriations Committee, and they're going to say, we can't afford to have all these lawyers for all these people. So they have to be, they have to be more uh, discerning than that, right? I mean, otherwise, I just don't see how it can pass. Well, the, the problem is, again, you have, why we're talking about corruption as opposed to a normal process for something to get done. The first time a petition for guardianship is dropped into the family's lap, uh, again, percentage-wise, I don't know, but it's, you know, can usually or whatever be a family member. So the family member already has a lawyer, so they are, you know, the lawyer is quite familiar with how to take advantage of people. The family gets a lawyer. They just think any lawyer will do, or like the family lawyer. So that lawyer does not know about the guardianship laws and rules and so forth, so the other side, the petitioner's um, lawyer, he knows how to push things around and get his way. So the family is called totally off guard, so they don't know of what they should be doing or what they shouldn't be so doing. A to, so a when, a lawyer is appointed, when a lawyer is appointed, the family simply goes along with things uh, until all disaster breaks loose. So well, I know all that. We know all that. We know all that. Why are you? Well, maybe you know, the, we know the all that. What, don't. What you maybe don't, the listeners what you don't. don't know. What you don't know is that probate courts are different from normal courts, and as a result of that, care more care has to be taken to ensure the safety and rights of a person. So, for example, when that petition comes in, it should go to every family member, everybody you know who loves that person, so that they know exactly what they have to do to get her out of that or to get their loved one out, and all that should be in the start. That's what Eucopa says. You know, you just want all that out front. And then when the guardian makes, they have to come up with a plan if you end up in guardianship, which you shouldn't, 
by most standards, you know. Um, then the family, then that that plan has to be submitted to the family members. So that and with the charges like twenty five dollars an hour for going shopping, uh, ten dollars an you know eighty dollars to would take a trip for the day, or in other words, the costs are right there. And when if the guardian start, starts putting charges, submitting charges that don't go along with the plan, believe me, the family's going to say something. And so what it does is, number one, it puts the person who is in the guardianship as the center, not what people think that should happen to that person. That's not the way this should work in a probate court. So the procedures need to have changed. They first have to grant the ability to have your own lawyer to defend you, and they should appoint to defend you, not to say what you need. Oh, this is it. I would love to have you drive, but it's not in your best interest. No. Uh Uh-uh. That doesn't fly. So that's got to go. So the point is that when it's the procedure, it's the process, it's not the evil results are because of the process. They're not because necessarily all people are evil. It's that they're turned evil by the fact that the, that the laws don't hold them accountable. And it's only, you know, if the procedures were in the right order, and there wouldn't be all this crime. I mean, and then on top of that, what you need to do is put crimi- in the criminal statutes of every state should, at least in my opinion, should have, there are all these laws about abuse of elders and the disabled uh, on the books for cr- in criminal statutes. And they say people responsible for another, you know, dependents and stuff, but they don't specifically put guardians and uh, conservators in there. Is It should be right there in the language so that, you know, they're already they're already classified as fiduciaries. They have fiduciary responsibilities. You could go after a guardian for breaking uh, fiduciary responsibility. I mean, you could do that. The point is it should never get to that point, ever. It should be open, clear. Then the other thing that Pennsylvania does wrong is they say, uh, Eucopus says uh, uh, an AIP, alleged incapacitated person, must be at the hearing with their lawyer, uh, you know, they, they must be there. Or the court takes it to their place, the, the procedure to their house. And, you know, there's maybe one tiny exclusion. But Pennsylvania says uh, they don't, basically it lets them out of court this way. They say, if the person, this isn't the right language, but it's the idea. If the person is too incapacitated, they don't have to come to court, and you don't have to make them come to court. Well, that's what happened to my friend. He was, uh, he was banned from court to his own hearing because they said, oh, he's too incapacitated. After all, we just deemed him incapacitated. So, so you know, all these things, all these results are happening because of a few simple rules that, are, that aren't put in place to stop it. That's all it is. And you can do it by saying this is what has to happen first. That's what, and then if, then if uh, you know, families can complain. They can, they can, so anybody under UCOPA, anybody could submit a complaint to the court and have a hearing. And the guardian cannot uh, require the family to, to, to pay or the, 
the loved one to pay if they keep fighting it. In other words, you go in for restoration of rights, and you're, and that lawyer from the guardian's end starts saying, no, no, that person is still incapacitated. We mustn't let them loose. And then meanwhile, they're charging the estate, right, all that stuff. It's like a big, it's just awful. But so that stopped because if, the guy, if they lose, they pay their own bills. They don't get to charge the, the person. So that takes away a lot of that financial Mickey Mouse uh, awful theft that they're doing. But it, but if they have the judge in the pocket in their pocket, they're not going to lose. Well, if you have a lawyer, you know, look at Britney Spears. She just got this killer lawyer in there, just ripped that whole guardianship apart. I mean, he in one sweep. She had tried to get out of it for 13 years. They wouldn't allow her to hire her own attorney. There were three people who tried to help her. Finally, the court said, okay, you can hire your own attorney. And then it was done. And now the guy, and now Jamie Spears, the dad, is rumored to have stolen a billion dollars from her. So. Wow. Not, you know, so, so Pennsylvania is weak on the lawyer. They don't define the lawyer's mm-hmm. role. They keep best in, working in my client's best interest against their will. They have that still in there. And uh, then they want everybody to have a lawyer, which is really not necessary and could save money if you had it uh, so that, you know, you modify that a little bit. And, um, you know, and then you refuse, you do not allow them to put a guardianship on someone unless there's no other alternative, period. They can't do it. I mean, it all. They're not allowed. So in Pennsylvania, I mean, it sounds, it sounds good. And everything, but in Pennsylvania, and we just talked about it's these lobbyists, as Marty called them, the bar mafia. Is the bar mafia really strong in Pennsylvania that it's just going to keep things status quo? Because with a third of the state being elderly, status quo is bringing the bar mafia a lot of money. What what do you both think on that? That's why UCOPA is a model law. Um, a group of, I don't know how many, Elaine was on there, on the committee, they hashed out every single possible thing they could on each thing they wrote. They would say, well, what about that situation? What if such and such happens? And in our state, it happens this way. And that, in my state, it happened, you know, and they did all that for two years, sorting through guardianship Uh laws, and came up, after all this discussion, like Elaine said, yeah, but what about pets? we can't let guardians mess with your pets. And so they put that in there, you know. <laughs> so, wow. uh, you know, that's how it was done. It was done by logical, uh, by reasoning and, and, and a ton of research. And, you know, these people who go in and change a law by changing a word don't know, they don't, they ha- don't have the grasp of what each change will do in the long run. They've got to start off with a, a different right. premise. You have to start off with the premise that people have rights to live their lives and that the court is there not to punish them, not to treat them like criminals, but to treat them like people who are asking for help. And you're providing the help. You're not testing them for incapacity. You're not doing that stuff. You don't have doctors in there. You you can have evaluations if you need it. But, you know, the, the whole idea of 
judging someone according to incapacity is completely flawed. You have to you have to sit down with them, find out who they are, talk to their family, figure out what the person needs, what's the problem, solve the problem. Don't just punish the person who's who needs help. Right? That's the idea. And I believe that's changed. It doesn't doesn't look like it's going to happen in Pennsylvania. When do you think it will change in Pennsylvania? Well, if you guys would push the uniform law, that would take care of it because the lawyers would not be able to argue against it. Attorneys, guardians, judges, uh, and a ton of reform advocates from different organizations – made this law. So how can a lawyer object to it? Right. They won't. They can't. But they won't because it's because they you know, because of the way it was composed and and, and drawn. It wasn't now, just drawn by Are they working with Senator Hayward and Senator Baker out of Pennsylvania? No. When is the you know, I should be doing that. I, I probably should be doing that, but I got to I got to pass it by Ben. Uh, ben uh, is the lead, a chief legal counsel for all of the Uniform Law Commission stuff. I mean, not just guardianship, but everything. And I've been working with him. Mm-hmm. Elaine and I work with him. And so, what I want to do is call him, figure out what's going on in Pennsylvania, and what I can do to help. Because just doing these little things. It only just delays the – it only prolongs the problems. It really does. It really, really is bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, lot, there's a lot of problems, uh, as, especially mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. I, I mean, yeah. what, is, what state do you think has – what state's the worst? I always think of Pennsylvania, Michigan, or Florida. Michigan. Michigan. What do you think? Michigan. Michigan's the worst? Yes. Yes, that's the worst because it – um, we've been talking to a senator there a lot about it, and uh, I mean, it's really, it really is a kind of, I don't want to use the word cartel, but there are basically yeah. four main guardians who are not called guardians, they're called, I don't know what, but they run the show along with a couple few judges, and this, wow. you know, it, it, it seems as, and you know, as, as a uh, you know, what's your name? You know, the wonderful person who did all that work down there that we hired, Gretchen. 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 Gretchen did. Gretchen. She, yeah, she did that investigation showing all this stuff that they're, they're yeah. now finding. But the problem was that the, even the uh, attorney general cannot get past these people. That's what I think is going on. I mean, wow, the attorney general is, just doesn't seem to be able to deal with it at all. That is a I mean, cartel. She, she put together she put, she put together a task force, okay? And the results of that task force, I remember the first case. I didn't read the rest of the cases. First case was about a family member who had stolen from their parent. So that tells you a lot. Like, you're not going to talk about us. You know, you can't talk about those Judges yeah. and the guardians the guardian. need to make sure it's the family member. Yeah. Here's another, kicker. Here's another kicker in Pennsylvania, which I cannot believe is in there. And it's that heirs who are family members 
heirs who are family members, uh, you can't assume, you can't declare them an adversary just because of that. Can you imagine? That tells you what they have been doing. Oh, that kid wants money and that's it. He's done. He can't be guardian. Right? Yeah. They thought of it as an automatic reason not to allow somebody to uh, to be a guardian, and the same thing in Pennsylvania and New Mexico in 2013. They had a task force, and the question was, you know, should families have more say and more involvement in a guardianship case? And it came back as no, they shouldn't because there's conflict of interest. I hit the roof. I got up before them and I said, now, wait a minute. Uh, Aren't you a guardian lawyer pointing to somebody? And aren't you a guardian company? And haven't you worked on guardianship cases before? And you guys make money from this. How is that not a conflict of interest? How can it possibly be a conflict of interest for your parents to create a will because they want you to have their stuff? How is that a conflict of interest for you to actually, uh, how does that prevent you, stop you from being, a person who should be in charge of the care of your parent. Totally anti-family. And I got up and said all this, and I think I was crying too, which is really bad. This is in the early days when I didn't know how to, how to uh, control my emotions, you know, and I was like, <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. It was really, I'm better now. I'm calmer now, but I hit the roof. Yeah. And Pennsylvania has that language that don't just, eliminate the family because they're going to inherit money. What the fuck? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't as, be as a given. Ralph- you have to say that. Yeah. As Reverend Ralph <laughs> and I, we report on Pennsylvania a lot. We have a caller. I don't recognize the number, but we have um, an area code 111. Let's see who this is. Okay. Area code 111. You're live and on the air. Hi. Area code I, 111. I don't know. Is this me? Hello? Who's this? Yeah, yes. Area oh. code 111. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yes, I was calling in because um, we're forming a protest downtown. Uh, Donald Trump, even if you're not a fan of his, his. Okay. That's. I guess I don't really feel that's a related topic. Sorry, area code one one one. We'll talk another time. Um, I didn't know what state that was from. So anyway, um, why don't we move on, Reverend Ralph? Let's have your thought of the day because there's been some a little corruption and a little ignoring of the First Amendment going on in Montgomery County. And I actually interviewed someone in Wisconsin about this very topic, and it would be handled a lot different than it was handled in Pennsylvania. So, Reverend Ralph, your thought of the day. Take it away. All right. Well, um, as far as First Amendment, um, there was a situation where the FBI that I had contacted last November uh, was supposed to open up an investigation and uh, supposedly the agent did, but just got word the other day. He said he closed the investigation, and that was the end of it, even though the people that had called him to give him their uh, uh, situations of what happened to their loved ones, he never called them back. 
So, unfortunately, the FBI doesn't seem to think this is a criminal matter when uh, guardians are stealing money from the uh, fam- from the uh, victim without uh, ju- uh, due process or without the purpose of t- having that money. Uh, another situation was the fact that uh, the uh, the um, district attorney's office up in Norristown. Uh, I had only a five-minute meeting with him about two months ago. Uh, previously, another I had gone to the Norristown District Attorney's Office last November of 2022. He talked to me for about two hours, and then three months later, or three weeks later, I found out he closed down the investigation because he was retiring without passing it off to anybody else. So about two months ago, I talked to another detective up in Montgomery County, Norristown, and after about five minutes, he showed me the door, and he said he'd let me know uh, when the investigation was over, but so far he has not contacted anybody. So do you know why that is? Because I do. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Uh, the reason is that uh, this is unfortunately a court procedure, so that once a court has said this is in place, this guardianship is in charge, no one else can challenge a court ruling. I mean, a cop can't, a, a, even a DA can't. Nobody can violate that. They can't. That's part of the problem. That's why you need real, proce- real uh, due process rights in a court. It has to be rights-oriented because right now it's not just the First Amendment rights. It's because the court insulates by the law these people from getting uh, from getting investigated. That's all it is. And there are people like Anthony Palmieri who have set up these big investigative units. All you know, He wants to have one in every state to pierce the veil of all this. But I think if you do it with criminal laws, you do it by making families a part of it, by making sure that everybody associated with that person receives the paperwork. If, they, if you make a complaint, then it goes in the guardian's file. They can't isolate somebody for more than seven days without a court order. You know, all this stuff that would protect people from the people who are supposedly protecting them. Well, right? you, have laws, you have laws now uh, about uh, elder abuse. You have laws about financial exploitation yes. of the elderly yes. and so forth. And when, this, yes. when people are simply siphoning off money uh, without any types of receipts to prove that they've taken it, and the courts haven't done anything about it, the judges, because they're part of the corruption, then the family has every uh, right to go to the FBI if it involves a corrupt judge, and the family has every right to go to the district attorney's office to say you have I'm just this matter you. I'm being just criminally... You, I'm just telling you what the wall around this thing is and why people can't get anywhere. I'm just telling yeah, you the truth. Yeah, it's called corruption. It's called corruption, Marcia. It's, yeah. I mean, you know. it's called what is, Okay. You can judge it as corruption, but until you fix the rules that are causing the corruption, you really won't produce anything other than what is. That's all there is. Well, that's what this whole matter is about. There's not just one thing that has to be fixed. There's many, many, many different things. Now, when you were talking, Marcia, I didn't hear you say anything about what determines a person to be incapacitated. And I have said this on the show many times. You You go in and you say, no. The procedure is, what does the person need? Let's find out what they need, how they need it, and we don't necessarily go into whether they're 
We don't have to judge them as anything. They're people, just like you and me. Well, this is something that I had uncovered two years ago at my loved person's uh, hearing where I learned from the psychologist that the court hired, who turned out to have been hired by them many times, which is a conflict of interest, the fact that he was giving a so-called evaluation, which he can't even prove he ever did because he admitted to me. What? Yep. That's right. That's why you don't go that route. You go the route of somebody comes in, you're forbidden from putting a guardianship on them, and you you explore all the other possibilities. Marcia, you're, you're talking about what we should be doing, what we should be doing. I'm talking about what exists now and the fact there's that people already, have been... There's, oh, there's God, already right. a law for this, Ralph. It's called the Uniform what, what Law. What law are you talking about, okay? Marcia? What, so what are you talking about? State, there's already a law. Get your, get your state to adopt it, okay? And then you'll be fine. Just get your state to do it. Don't pull it up with all this... Mickey Mouse crud. It's it's the whole. It's wrong not attitude. Mickey Mouse crud, Marsha. When people have been falsely accused of being incapacitated laws, based on laws, a psychology. The laws. The laws are Mickey oh, Mouse. Oh, Marsha, okay? will you I'm let me finish? I'm done. I'm out of here. Bye. Well, oh, Marsha. Uh oh. Well, definitely well, a it, it, a heated topic. Well, she doesn't want people to finish because she didn't let me finish uh, reading things. She didn't let me finish uh, talking about things. If she wants the whole show for herself, cause, and it's a shame that the listeners are hearing this, but if she wants to have the whole show for herself, that's fine with me. But when I'm giving information, knowing firsthand of what's happened with my dealings with the FBI, dealings with the Attorney General, dealings with uh, two different district attorneys that I try to have meetings with, you know, I'm adding information that maybe the listeners have tried to do in other states. And the fact it's very, very important to talk about what is done for to these people to determine if they're incapacitated. And I have only talked about Pennsylvania. And I have said to listeners nationwide that find out in their state what is used to determine incapacitation, what is what is used as an evaluation to determine incapacitation. So for a psychologist to use paper and pencil tests, which I have stated before, have no independent proof of accuracy, how can you take somebody's life and base it on that and say, well, they're incapacitated? And also the fact that, as I've pointed out, that in Pennsylvania there is no requirement as to the standards or requirements as to what determines an accurate evaluation. That's a big, big issue. And I've never heard anybody talk about what should be done pertaining to an evaluation. And what's most important cause is I'm trying to also help those families that have been victimized without even knowing that just because a psychologist says uh, oh, I did this evaluation, I used this uh, trail test or whatever. There's no accuracy to those things. And most important, that those evaluations are done in secrecy. The psychologist stated in my loved person's case that he did not audio or videotape the evaluation 
to prove what the person said or did not say and how they said something or did not say something. And all you needed was, or a person needs, is a simple cell phone to record. And yet he's making decisions on a person's life for the next 5, 10, 30 years based on what? His opinion? Well, that's not good enough when you can't even prove he ever did such an evaluation. Now, you know, you don't walk into court and say, Judge, take my word for it. He said this or he didn't say it. They want proof, evidence. That's what every police department has to have for a criminal case, evidence, not just hearsay, not just take my word for it. So I've been trying to help the families because maybe gives them, it gives them something to fight for to reopen that evalu- uh, to reopen the case to prove yeah, that – yeah, go ahead, Carl. Well, I – well, I feel like, because, you know, I feel bad because I'm in the middle because I love you both. Um, I feel that what what we've, because I myself have gone through the courts in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. So I feel that what we're all talking about is what's currently going on. And what Marsha was trying to get us to refocus is how can we, how can we bring about change and and with the laws that they're working on with the UCOPA, there would you there there would be no reason to even have the quack psychiatrist even do an incapacitation hearing because it basically what they're trying to do is just gut the gut guardianship and restart it, like rebuild the whole thing because nothing's working. And I know they they know people way higher than you or I or you know will ever reach, but I. You know, like it sucks for the people who are going through it right now, and I, there's not a solution. And yeah, I feel it's racketeering that's going on, and you're gonna have like yeah, I get it. Like the going to the police departments. I called the attorney general office of Pennsylvania when they were talking about their new elder task force, and I said, if I was in an abusive guardianship, and I called you to report that. Could you do anything about it, or would you just say this is a court issue? Well, I know the answer is they'll say it's a court issue, because I know when we were calling the police and everything in Montgomery County, they can't help you because they say it's a court issue. How how probate court is set up is basically the judge is like the God. The judge, whatever the judge says goes, and until you can prove that that judge is racketeering and corrupt, their word stays and their word stands and it sucks and as we can see kids for cash right there in pennsylvania we know that these judges do it because there's judges what is that one county over from montgomery county they were doing it they got caught so and was it they got caught because they forgot to put the bribe on their irs taxes or something so you can take a bribe as long as you put it on the taxes is kind of the message that we get for that one. So we know what happens because it happened one county over and there's a whole documentary about it. But I think moving forward, we have to start trying to become, you know, part of the solution is what I feel that trying to get across that there would be no reason for any incapacitation hearing because with switching this whole thing up, you don't do that. That's not something that is needs to be done because it is true. The 
incapacitated or their ward goes into court and they're basically treated like a criminal and they are on trial. It is right. It's what you all both were talking about. You're guilty. You're guilty until someone can prove you innocent and no one's going to prove you innocent. You're basically in there. They're going to say you're incapacitated and, and, and you're guilty. So it's like the whole system has to turn upside down on its head and we need to start working and holding our public, you know, our state senators and stuff because they're the ones who write and pass laws. I'm also hearing that it's the lobbyists who are working against us and lobbying these senators, which is also, I feel, a form of corruption if we find out that these senators aren't doing what we the people would want to be done and they were instead taking whatever these lobbyists do I mean, do they give bribe? What, what does the lobbyists do that they seem to have so much influence? And I well, know they, they have, make a bunch of oh, money. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, what do they? Well, basically, yeah, well, go ahead. But people, they seem to make a bunch of money, a lobbyist. Well, yeah, because people are throwing money at the lobbyists, and they hire the lobbyists who will then, uh, you know, go who has the contact to be able to get to these senators and congressmen. It's like a chain, it's a, like a chain. Like I give money to you if you were a lobbyist, I'd say, okay, this is what I want done. And you say, well, I know Senator so-and-so, he uh, likes that uh, or he does not like it, he'll vote against it. It's all about corruption, bribery, and so forth. We laugh at the uh, Russia and their uh, billionaire uh, oligarchs and so forth who have these big yachts, and yet – we these senators and congressmen at all levels at all you know the teachers unions and everything they are lobbyists against certain bills that may force teachers to have so many students graduate at a certain level the teachers unions would be against it everybody who has some money they have influence over somebody uh now we were talking about evaluations a second ago Evaluation is not just strictly pertaining to a psychologist, uh, you know, interviewing a person. The evaluation would encompass the whole process. And, again, the evaluation would also put, number one, the family, number one. And that's what I was reading that statute, uh, that uh, Title 20, uh, what was it, 5511, where I read how guardianships uh, and the guardians should be working if it ever got to that point, instead of the family taking over or uh, taking over for the um, unfortunate person. And again, th- if, if anything, that should be what the state legislature should be looking at in order to uh, create those laws and rules and so forth. But I agree with you. The whole stinking thing has to be turned upside down, shaken out, and hosed down to get rid of this. But again, when you have about a third of the state legislatures being lawyers, you know, they're only looking out for themselves. And what I had brought up, uh, what I found out at my loved person's petition hearing, that these evaluations currently in Pennsylvania are worthless. Think of all those lawyers and law firms in Pennsylvania that do guardianships. And if it ever got back to the families that their persons were declared incapacitated based on worthless evaluations, that law firm would be sued out of existence 
because they did not do their due diligence, a legal term meaning investigate. They never asked the psychologist, what is your accuracy for your evaluation to determine incapacitation? And if you look at those reports, uh, and again, I've seen two of them that were done on my loved person, at the very, very end of their report, they give these two or three sentences of all this techno babble, but then they finish it by saying, in my opinion. Well, everybody's entitled mm-hmm. to their opinion, but when you're only sitting with somebody for two hours, what idiot is going to say, well, no, they know more than the family that is with this person every day? I mean, it's like right. you can see the corruption and stupidity, not just corruption, the stupidity of people when they say, no, we brought this person who's got a Ph.D. and he works with people with some memory problems, so he knows more in two hours than the family does. And, again, this is something where in my loved person's case, that judge up in Norristown, she refused to have the loved person come to trial. And I understand in Chester County, which is outside of Philadelphia County, in Chester County, the Orphans Court judges demand the person come to court. Now, in addition, I I don't know what they mean by they're too incapacitated to come to court. People come to court in wheelchairs and crutches and everything else. Mm -hmm. And unless a medical doctor, their medical doctor should be number one on the list to talk about the person's, you know, uh, you know, condition. But if the uh, if the person, for some unknown reason, if they're on life support or something, then you can have a Zoom conference. Now, that's certainly, you know, you can set Zoom conferences can be set up with any computer at even nursing homes or any place. So that's not out of the question as far as how if the person can't be there physically, they can be doing a Zoom conference. Well, yeah, and I think, I feel that we we might have missed the point that Marsha was trying to get across is that basically throw everything out with the bathwater and start all over. And basically there would never be a, there would be like the psychiatrist is out of a job. They never would even, that wouldn't be something that you would do to somebody, you know, because like Marty always says, then you're demonizing the elderly person. I heard a story the other day And the person got put into guardianship because they forgot to pay a utility bill. 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, I bet you they forget to pay a utility bill, but nobody throws them in a guardianship. And this person, it's like the age discrimination. So we need to stop even doing evaluations on people. I agree with you because 1,000%, because, again, my memory is usually there. I remember Marty saying that a year or so ago. She said Mm -hmm. if somebody who's 30 or 40 loses their car keys or they forget to leave and they leave the lights on or something, so what? Everybody loses their car keys. Everybody, you know, leaves the lights on. Oh, but if you're 70, oh, you got dementia and Alzheimer's and all this other stuff. Yes, it is age discrimination, and you're 100% correct on that. And the fact is that, you know, if if we – and it's almost laughable, and again, you were 100% right – You know, let's lock up everybody that has a memory issue. All lawyers, they use yellow pads to make notes because they forget. Let's lock them up. 
Everybody that doesn't pay their credit card bills on time, lock them up. Everybody that bounces a check, let's lock them up. So, you know, everybody that doesn't pay their income taxes on time, let's lock them up. All dealing with financial neglect. So, again, and that's basically what it's the main thing in Pennsylvania is that it's basically based on financial, uh, you know, incompetence in some way. Uh, to put people into guardianship. Well, again, a person yes. has the right to spend their money or waste it any way they want. So, again, but you're 100% right, Cos, the fact that, uh, you know, people forget and they do things all the time. You know, they go through red lights, they speed, and so forth. So do we lock up everybody? You're right. So I believe that's what NASCA was trying to say with this new Yucopa bill there will be no need to ever do an evaluation on anybody. And I know it's a 250-page bill, and I need to read it. Um, I started it, and it's definitely um, it's very intense. And we all have to remember I am a baker. <laughs> I definitely, they are there for us. I just want everyone to know NASCA is there for us, and they're trying to make the difference. And so basically with the new laws, there would be no need to ever do an evaluation to anybody. It's done. It's over. You're not doing these evaluations. And, you know, I've heard these things happen just when you go into, like, a regular doctor appointment that they might be, you know, oh, well, let's see, you know, and just – you know, the malfeasance that's just everywhere. And we are aware, like there's so much malfeasance. But what really sucks is, yeah, when you get trapped in the court and the judge is basically like a god and whatever the judge rules, no one can go against that. And the only way is you really have to go after the judge. We're maybe spinning our wheels going after guardians and attorneys when it's the judge who holds the key to the kingdom. And what we were able to do to um, one of the judges in Montgomery County, a bunch of us, how how you impeach a judge in Pennsylvania, you need to write to every single state legislator in your whole state, and you tell them with documents and reasons why you would like to go forward to – have this judge impeached now there was about eight of us and we all did this at the same time and mysteriously judge ott retired the very next day might have been a coincidence could have been just the sheer coincidence but anyway but that's what you got to do is you got to go to the legislator because they're they they aren't judges so they don't quite know what's actually going on and I don't know that how aware they really are, but if we can start, you know, using the legal process and then exposing how did that how did that senator vote? This is they voted against this. Are you know, should this person be reelected because they voted against it? And when we the people can take back our government, there's gonna be changes because the judges are hiding under the dark rock because no one's judging them on based how they rule or how they do this and that. You know what? Because it's all secret and it's, oh, we got to have secret, you know, it's uh, protect the privacy of the ward so you, you can't get all the court records. So they get away with doing all their rulings, and the public doesn't get to find out how they're doing their rulings. It's a pretty 
pretty, you know, smart place for them to be if you want to be corrupt. That's where you go. But if you're a legislator, these are the elected people. What is it? Every four years they're up for election in Pennsylvania? And you um, start, is it, or is there two? Is it four? No, I think that's federal. Two and four is for federal, depending if they're a congressman or yeah. a, a senator. As far as state, I do not know. I'm sorry. So, so I know that what makes Pennsylvania really interesting is there's a lot of legislators. And so yeah. I think there's like over a hundred of them. And oh, just, you need, yeah. Yeah. yeah and go you ahead. write every single flipping one, every single flipping one, and it's going to take you a lot of work. But that's what we did. And mysteriously, and there was eight families, and we all did it at the same flipping time. We wrote every single legislator. We sent it to their personal emails. We posted it on all their Facebook accounts because all these legislators, they have their own social media accounts. And not all of them you can do this. Some of them you can post stuff on their, on their social media and it, does, it doesn't have to be approved before it goes. Or you can post it underneath comments and you post, you know, hey, we would like to – come to session because we have the proof of why we feel this judge needs to be impeached. And that's what we need to do. We need to start working the system, working, you know, our legislative process to make change happen. Because once, once the legislator gets all these different, you know, from a whole bunch of this, if a whole bunch of people would do it on the same family, that judge is going to be nervous because now they're exposed and they're being exposed to the whole legislative branch. The legislative branch, once they hear the evidence, they impeach the judge. And it's like pain. And I've had people say this to me, Reverend Ralph, I'm not going to bother doing it. It doesn't make any difference. Oh, they'll just put another bad person up. It's like playing whack-a-mole. Yeah, another bad one might take their place. And then you do it again, and then you do it again, and you do it again, and you play whack-a-mole until you finally win the game, and you can, people will start to realize, if I behave this way, I am going to be impeached. And if they get impeached, they don't get their retirement account. That's why they'll just retire right away if they're, I mean, the thing is, if you retire right away, you must be worried that you're not going to be able to farewell in that hearing that people are asking to have so they retire right away and then you're playing whack-a-mole but we can't just have the attitude and you know Reverend Ralph you've been amazing like you go to every place that you can file the complaints and so many people will not file the complaints and all they'll do is complain to one another complain on social media they might come on the show here and they'll complain, but when it comes time to filing complaints, they're not there to do it. They're not there. And that's the big problem is that our voice isn't big enough because we're not complaining in the right places. When we had, and we might as well, you know, bring the dirt, dish the dirt, Reverend Ralph, we had an open FBI investigation, didn't we? And I remember spending like five hours on the phone getting as many people 
as I could. I said, I felt like a House of Representative trying to become Speaker of the House. I'm having to tell everybody to make these calls. 50% of the people that I contacted that I knew were victims in these courts would not make that phone call. 50%, Reverend Ralph. And yet everyone just, they wouldn't make that phone call to the detective. And since the, since the, um, Everything's been closed. You might as well say what was going on. We've got six minutes, Reverend Ralph. Okay. This the dirt. What did the FBI just do? The um, well, as I said, Kaj, you've hit on many, many points, and I agree with them one with you 100 percent. The problem is we have no money. The lobbyists and the judges and lawyers and all—they have the money to fight us and to do things or get things done their way. And it's it's very, you know, unfortunately also, the people that should be doing something, they have jobs, they have a family, they have problems of their own, and they just don't have the time or money to do, to f- try to correct these problems. They always depend, like you said, they basically depend on other people to do it for them. And I, you know, it's... It's really a shame that so many people uh, have tried, and you have tried with your with the uh, radio show and so forth, and all your work. And again, I saw the uh, files that your sister sent to me pertaining to, uh, you know, your uncle Harvey, and I, I just couldn't believe so many documents can exist, and the FBI never even contacted you to say, okay, you know, I want to see those files and those documents. I don't think this guy, his name was Pacioli at the FBI office in Fort Washington. I don't think he did one thing. Uh, he interviewed me for about two hours, and I don't think he did anything after that, to be honest with you. But as far as the corrupt judges and the corrupt lawyers, in Pennsylvania, you do have a lawyer disciplinary board where you can file a complaint, and the penalties can simply be a letter all the way up to suspending uh, uh, their law license. And they also, there's also what's called a judicial conduct board where you can file a complaint against a judge. And I have those two links on my website uh, under the t- title of links. Uh, links. Uh, so, again, it's, it's a massive, massive problem. And, uh, unfortunately, people really do not want to do anything more than they have to do for their own situation. And, uh, again, I agree with you that we can complain all we want, but we need solutions, and this is why it's important uh, that I try to find just one little thing that maybe help will help somebody in what they're going through, whether it's the beginning, middle, or end of their uh, guardianship um, fight with you know the uh, the guardian and so forth. So uh, it's. It really is an overwhelming uh, situation for people, and I really feel sorry for them. Uh, wives and husbands that can't talk to each or not allowed to talk to each other because of the guardian and so forth. But uh, one of the things that was talked about earlier was going after the assets of these guardians. Well, all these guardians have to do is declare bankruptcy, and then they're not worth anything. And they could have money hidden in foreign bank accounts and everything else in their basements. And if they declare bankruptcy, then the people don't get anything after the guardians have spent all their uh, the, the victims' monies. And if they have 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 victims, think of how many tens of millions of dollars they could have amassed. So 
So a simple bankruptcy would protect them. So bankruptcy is there for them to get out of anything that they've taken away or stolen. So, cause yeah, and I, I feel, well, I feel like I feel like what Marsha was trying to uh, get across, and and I feel bad that that we we weren't receiving the information like we should have been, and and what she's trying to say is that we have to stop complaining about what's going on and we have to start taking action and with their bill that they've worked so hard on it's basically no more you know no more evaluations no more you know the things that are so wonderful and that have passed in other states we need to get behind nazca and we need to get this passed in pennsylvania because it basically turns guardianship upside down on its head and and it looks like we're we're almost out of time. I would suggest everyone go to the website stopguardianshipabuse.org. I have it listed in the promo. We also have Reverend Ralph's website protectmyparents.org. That no, no, one no. Out. And no, I'm sorry. It's wait, protectmyparents.us. Dot us. That's right. I almost typed it in wrong, and then I went back and found dot us. I am so sorry about that. These that's shows right. are brought to you by NASCA. These shows are also brought to you by ASCA, the, um, the Australian Association of Stop Guardianship and Administrative Abuse. This is brought to you by Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit and the Shenanigans in the Montgomery County Facebook page. Next week we will be back with Lisa Caruso. And it, interestingly enough, her story comes from the state of Michigan. So we're going to hear firsthand what is going on in Michigan with Lisa Caruso. Everyone, thank you. Have a very happy and blessed 4th of July, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Reverend Ralph. Good night. Good night.